For marketing agencies and social media managers looking to prove the value of their work, I've got something special for you. Agora Pulse is not only Social Media Examiner's tool of choice as an all-in-one social media management tool, it also allows you to track the traffic, conversion, and revenue from every social post, comment, and private message. Learn how to prove your social media ROI with a free training or a free trial by visiting agorapulse.com SME today. Again, agorapulse.com SME. Hey there, Mike Stelzner coming to you with a fascinating update you might not be familiar with. Did you know that Social Media Examiner can deliver all the marketing, training, news, and trends, insights that you need into your inbox three days a week when you sign up for our newsletter and it's completely free? Simply visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash get updates and take your marketing to the next level. Welcome to the Social Media Marketing Talk Show, your guide to the ever-changing world of social media. Welcome to the Social Media Marketing Talk Show, a Social Media Examiner production. I'm Michael Stelzner, and my host today is Eric Fisher, and this is the show for marketers who want to know what just happened this last week. There is so much that's happened in the world of social media marketing just in the last couple of days, and we're here to break it down and tell you what it all means. And by the way, this show is brought to you by Social Media Marketing World, the official sponsor of this show. And that conference is the place that you want to go if you want to get professional development and network with your peers in the world of social media marketing. You can check it out by visiting SMMW. 18.com. Again, SMMW18.com. Okay, on today's show, I'm going to be joined by Amanda Bond in the first segment, and we're going to talk about Facebook ad updates. In the second segment, I'm going to be joined by Jeff C., and we're going to be talking all about a bunch of Instagram updates. And then in the third segment, Mr. Steve Dotto will be joining us to talk about some exciting new news from YouTube specifically called fan sponsorships. That's what we're calling it, at least. And we've got a lot of substantial news to talk about. So, uh, marketers, you're going to want to pay attention. This is a very important episode. By the way, I want to encourage you to share this on Facebook. And wherever you happen to be, please do share it. And with that, I'm going to go ahead and bring on the one and only Amanda Bond. And by the way, folks, if you do not know who Amanda is, she is one of the top hottest experts in the world of Facebook advertising. Be sure to check her out. How are you doing, Amanda? I am doing so good today. And as you open this saying like, what happened this week? I feel like just things are moving so fast. So grateful to you for always putting this out there for your audience to stay up to date with the latest trends. Absolutely. So talk to us about what the news is. Oh my gosh. Okay. So the first thing that is happening right now is that Facebook is rolling out a new API that is going to change the way that we split test ads altogether. So let me preface by like what our current options are for split testing your ads. As an advertiser, you can go in there and you can manually create different options. So like let's use headline A with image one and headline B with image one and then headline A with image two. Like that is a manual process that advertisers are doing right now to split test to see which ads are going to be the best, like get the best results from the audiences that they're targeting. So that's a really hard and arduous long process for people to go through to actually see the results with what that looks like. 
That's the first option. The second option is that you're using a third party that is automating that part. But what happens is you end up spending a lot of advertising dollars to get the results from testing that many different ad variations all at once. So right now, Facebook just announced that it's available through their developers API where they're going to match creative audience or assets with target audiences, meaning you're going to input different creative elements and they're going to mix and match it using their technology to save you time, to save you money. And it's just, it's going to be amazing. So to clarify right now, it's only available throughout the API, meaning you do need a third party tool to help deploy this. But they are in test to have this natively come into Ads Manager. I almost said Power Editor, but as we know last week, Power Editor is no more. You know, uh, I want to talk about this a little bit. Um, I've got a couple of quotes here. This first one is uh, from Adweek. And they're saying that, well, first of all, it's called Dynamic Creative. That's the first thing that we need need to know that's the code word for this is dynamic creators and it allows you to mix and match photos titles and descriptions and call to actions and other components and and then automatically generate the best variations based on your audience now amanda i think this is a a serious solution to a major problem because you know i was having this conversation with my marketing team just the other day and i said hey you know if an ad isn't working and we can rule out that it's not the 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 wet the destination that's the problem then then it comes down to you know it's either the copy or it's the image and we've got to start doing all sorts of tests and variations and sometimes we can accidentally put something to bed too early right and and this is a very arduous analytical process that facebook is now going to bring through the api and they have said it is coming to ads manager they said it is coming yes so like what is this going to do? I mean, this is going to be huge, right? It's going to be so huge. Like I get excited because I think of the, the technology that is powering this. So if, if this is rolling out where we're able to swap in and out creative without interrupting your campaigns that are running, because if you're doing Facebook advertising, you know that every single time you change even the smallest element of the campaign, you disrupt the flow of that algorithm, meaning you reset it. So if you were getting really good results and then you're like, hmm, let's test a new headline. If you put that into a campaign that's already running, like you, you might disturb the entire ecosystem of the results that you're getting. So Facebook is now taking that and taking responsibility on matching those things for you. They're going to just start to serve up the correct thing that is resonating with your audience because they have the user in mind. They want it to be the most relevant ad possible. So they're not going to serve the stuff that isn't working. They're going to help you find what is because it gives the user a better experience overall. Like I'm, I'm jacked for this. <laughs> you know, it's, is, yeah. And you know, what's exciting is like, you know, Amanda, you and I are both marketers, but we might see a different ad because Facebook knows what you're interested in and what I'm interested in. Right. And it might not. Absolutely. So we're in the past, we were trying to figure out what the group is most likely to respond to. Now it's going to be able to dynamically pair it down to the individual level. Right. Absolutely. And, you know, different demographics, different genders, like whoever you're targeting, it's going to start to adapt to those things. So just the, the possibility here is absolutely endless. And 
I just want to put one caveat because I know how sometimes marketers get ideas and then they're like, oh yeah, let's go bananas with it. This doesn't give you the right to upload like 25 different headlines and make it like chaotic inside of these campaigns. We do want to be smart and we do want to be putting our best foot forward. So the, the least amount of variations possible that you can go with is going to actually give you better results instead of Facebook testing like a trillion different things for you. Um, I want to ask you this question, but before you answer it, um, first, the question that I'm going to state something, do you know of any third party services that are currently working with this or will be working with this so we can begin experimenting with this? Think about that while I state this. Facebook has told us, well, actually, they've told somebody else, and I'm just quoting them, that they've seen strong performance results in a wide variety of verticals, including gaming, e-commerce, entertainment, retail, auto, travel, and tech. So this has already been in beta, and it's actually been proven to work. Do you know of any third-party tools, Amanda? I know of a third-party tool that was doing it the old way, where they would upload it as different ad sets, as different ads, which is Adspresso. So I'm curious to see how they evolve with this new API as that comes out. Because previously, I didn't use their tool because I was concerned that it was wasting budget in that testing process. So I'm really excited to see who does come to the table with this opportunity and fast. And so I'll keep my eye out for that and come back and leave a comment on, uh, on the broadcast. Awesome. Okay, we'll go to the next story here. Uh, Facebook has introduced some real, really exciting ways to do offline outcomes. Maybe you could tell us what what's the story here, Amanda. I really dig that Facebook is putting so much focus into the offline experience because this is what is holding up a lot of advertising dollars in coming over to the platform because they measure different metrics. They have different attribution systems that they need to prove, aka how many people are coming to the stores, which ads are driving real human foot traffic and getting results. So looking at the screen right now, we've got a little animation that is showing an example of of driving traffic directly to the store. It's talking about store hours. It's talking about directions, showing it dynamically to get foot traffic. And then Facebook's allowing us to upload that data and create custom audiences out like of those offline events. So then we can do things like create lookalikes of the people who are taking that action that the brick and mortar store wants. They want people that are most likely to go over to the store. We can include people that have been to the store and serve them relevant content. So let's say they were in there in the summer and now your fall specials are coming out. This is something that we can continue to remarket according to their actions, according to their consumer behavior. And then we can also exclude people who are going into the store and and visiting. So if you have a digital campaign running to drive purchases of a specific campaign in store, you can actually start to exclude the people who have achieved that. So it's just so... I'm, I'm so pumped up what they're doing for the brick and mortar stores because as an ad strategist, I know that that's a major hesitation with the attribution. And what that means is more advertising dollars from that 
like cohort is going to start coming over to the platform. So yep. hands up and, and excitement for those bricks and mortars people. I think the key thing here from the Facebook announcement is that Facebook store visits is actually based on information from people with location services enabled on their phone. So what this means is it's not just syncing your database. It's actually, there's a lot of people who have location services on, um, on their phone. And somehow Facebook is now getting that data, allowing you to create an audience of foot traffic coming into your store and combine that with the other data that you might already have, right? Like your existing customers, your call center stuff. For example, they're saying a real estate company can automatically show an ad with their latest house listings to people who have called to schedule an open house tour in the last 30 days. Now, I would imagine they could also couple that with people who actually came into the house but did not buy. You know, that's the kind of stuff we're talking about here. It's pretty fascinating, isn't it? Absolutely. And let's, the other thing that layers on top of that, it's not necessarily in this announcement, but let's, let's put it all together. Now you have the ability to upload customer data with their lifetime value, Hmm. meaning the customers that are most valuable to you, you can then start to create audiences to go find more of those people that interact in the exact same way. So lots of, um, lots of potential to get really focused on what you want those outcomes and objectives to be. Cool. All right. The third part of the segment is um, Facebook users can now look at the, the ads that they've seen in the past. Talk to us about this and let's explore what this could mean for marketers. I love it. Okay. So I actually don't have this function, sad face, because I'm a Canadian and it's only available to US users so far. But what Facebook is going to allow us to do is see the ads that we've interacted with on our timeline in Instagram, on our newsfeed, all of those things. And it'll actually allow us to go back one so that, hey, if we saw an ad before and we didn't take action on it, but it's something that we did want to interact with, one, we can come back to that content. So as a user, that's awesome. As an advertiser, that means that people who you marketed to before who are like, oh, shoot, what was, what was that brand? What was that offer? They can go back and find you at that moment. The second thing it's going to allow us to do is give Facebook feedback as a user to what we liked, what we didn't like. So it's going to continue to tailor that user experience. So I I went and tested it. I don't have this specific function, but I do have a function that shows um, different advertisers that I've interacted with. So it doesn't go down to the ad level for me yet, but it allows me to choose Do I want to keep seeing those ads? Is it something that is relevant to me? And now as a user, I have control over how I interact with advertisers to cultivate like the best experience for me on the platform altogether. Here's how you find it Um, on on the desktop, at least to go under at the bottom left area, typically where all that exploratory stuff is. And on the mobile, I think it would be under the hamburger and it's called recent ad activity. And what I love about this is it shows you the last 90 days of any ad that you interacted with. From a marketer's perspective, this is a big deal, people, because like Amanda said earlier, if you saw an ad, but you were not in a place to be able to act on it because maybe you were out and about on your mobile phone, you can go back and say, hey, where was that ad? Like, for example, I had watched an iPhone, the iPhone X ad, but I couldn't find the video. But now 
because it was only delivered as an ad. But now I would have been able to go back and find that and share that. So I think this is a really big deal for marketers because we'll now be able to go back. I mean, the consumer will now be able to go back and find any ad that they saw from you if they weren't ready to act on it. And that gives it like extra love, extra legs. So that's pretty exciting. Amanda, thank you so much for joining us for this segment. Why don't you tell everybody where they can discover more about you? Absolutely. Well, you can come on over to my Facebook page where I'll retarget you within the Facebook page engagement option at facebook.com slash the ad strategist. And uh, thank you guys always for having me on here. I dig chatting about this and all the news. Thank you so much, Amanda. All right, folks. Well, there you have it. Lots of changes going on in the world of Facebook advertising. And speaking of Facebook advertising, we have just endless professional development sessions at Social Media Marketing World taught by people, including Amanda Bond, on Facebook advertising. So if you want to stay up on the world of advertising, because let's be honest, organic reach, it's pretty much dead on Facebook, then you need to really consider coming to Social Media Marketing World where you can interact with amazing people, including the one and only Steve Dotto. Steve, how are you doing today? Good. Well, let me hear what I'm supposed to sound like. <laughs> we'll see if I can get it done by the end of the segment. You uh, by the, the way, beard. a couple of months ago, you had the beard started, Mike. You could have nailed me. I, that, that sounds wrong. You could have nailed your impersonation. Of me. <laughs> by the way, if you want to check out Social Media Marketing World, hit smmw18.com. And we're super excited to be joined today by Mr. Steve Dotto. If you don't know who Steve is, he's a YouTube expert. And uh, we're excited to have you back on the show today, Steve. Um, we've got some kind of exciting news here. Um, talk to us a little bit about what's going on with this Patreon-like thing coming from YouTube. Well, and it, it, it is exciting, but it's uh, it's only mostly exciting because it's only for the right now for the people who are doing gaming, uh, doing the gaming streams. So here is here's the here's the kind of the, the world according to YouTube. They are they're being see, besieged on every front. They feel that Facebook is poaching on their territory in Facebook Live and trying to get uh, and trying to get streaming video video and recorded video kind of trying to play in that space and over on the other side twitch has always been something that has grown and uh, and and it, it probably bothers YouTube to a certain extent that it's become such a popular platform where there's an entire community that's built and of course being owned by Amazon that probably sticks right. in there it sticks uh, you know kind of has a little extra impetus as well so they've got Amazon on one side and Facebook on the other side and uh, and they're trying to and they're trying to navigate this middle ground what all content creators look for at the end of the day is a way to make money and with trying to find a way to to make revenue and in Twitch where they've got the content creators a lot of our community probably doesn't know a lot about what goes on in Twitch but it's this massive world that when you when you're it's opened up to you, you go holy jumping that people are really making serious coin over there uh, but there it's where gamers believe it or not stream their gameplay live and people follow excellent gamers and whole communities are built around these 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 gaming celebrities now mike you know that when you went when you first went to vidcon how we were both blown away by the online celebrities that that we saw in youtube that exact same kind of thing happens in Twitch with the with with growing of the communities. Now they've always allowed within Twitch people to be able to be able to sponsor channels and pay people to to, to participate in channels. So YouTube has added a form of sponsorship to their own streaming gaming service, and it's kind of limited to me as I'm looking at it. It looks like they're 
they're in it, but they're not really committed to it yet. Uh, they haven't really figured out how to make it all work because of, uh, I think there's one, uh, because they're very concerned about who owns the viewer. And, and I'll explain that to you a little bit more in a moment. But what happens is very similar to the, uh, to the, to the uh, super chat that we see within, within, um, within YouTube live is people can sponsor a channel. And that's what you call it. You're called a sponsor of the channel. And it seems to be a monthly standard of $4 and 99 cents in almost every currency around the world. There's a few that are a little bit different, but for the U S and Canada, they're all spending $4 and 99 cents. Uh, and for that, you get special privileges in the ongoing streaming chat that's happening around the gaming. And that's where a lot of people kind of make their mark. They want to be heard. They want their voice heard. And in, in YouTube streaming gaming service, there is actually kind of a, a slowdown. There's a limit to how much you can post. So you can't make lots and lots of rapid comments, but this removes that governor on it, allowing people to make lots of comments and be able to, and to be able to have their profile seen in the stream a lot along with the game. Now, that's the only that's the only real economic mechanism is it's it, that's the benefit is that the fact that you well get, and they also get some custom badges and emojis and yeah. stuff so well, that's it it's identifying you in chat it's all about kind of swagger exactly uh, that is that is what the sponsorship brings to the table but here's where I'm concerned is the limit is YouTube is owning the sponsor the gamer can't download a list. Of who his sponsors are. Do they get all the revenue? Do you know? They well, they get a percentage of the revenue. It's probably it's probably the typical YouTube revenue split. It's probably looking at sixty or sixty five percent going to the content creator. I didn't see the specifics of that, and I'm not eligible for the program because right. I don't have a gaming channel at this point. Well, but it'll be it'll be the typical YouTube will get their cut for sure. Here, here's uh, why I think of everything, Steve. But here, but but my yeah. thing, but the big concern that I have, you know, because you mentioned Patreon, and this is in a little bit in response to the success Patreon has, and Patreon's just in the news because they just had a massive round of financing and funding go into it, and, and so they've been really legitimized by, by at least by the venture capitalists with the with the with the latest round of funding. But the key with Patreon is when a content creator has a community on Patreon of supporters, they have access to those people's email list. We, I go in and every, every month and we download every single one of our patrons. We add them to our own, our own CRM and we make sure we reach out to them and we have their record and that we can talk to them uh, outside of the Patreon environment. Whereas YouTube is not allowing that. And so, uh, you know, it, it, means that, it means that you've really got to stay on YouTube's right side because because if you were ever shut off, that could cut off your entire revenue stream instantly with no recourse because you wouldn't be able to get back to those people. Well, and this is, by the way, let's be honest, these are sticky, sticky mechanisms to keep creators on the platform because yeah, absolutely. If, and by the way, we're not the reason I asked you to come on is because I believe this is the sign of something that could be bigger for YouTube. And mm -hmm. because we have Super Chat, right, which allows creators to get um, you know, the similar kind of thing going on using live YouTube live. And then we've got this, this fan sponsorship thing. And, um, this is the same kind of stuff, you know, that's been going on in the live video for years with a lot of the stuff overseas in Asia and China. And what I find fascinating about this is, um, Facebook is yes, on the, on the gaming side competing with Twitch, but Facebook has this much bigger creator community 
biggest in the world on the YouTube video side of things. And if they could figure out a way to get sponsors, quote unquote, to come over to people like you, Steve, and you could get ongoing revenue from this that supersedes the ad revenue that you're getting, this could be a strong reason for someone to stick around on YouTube and not necessarily jump over to Facebook. And this is where I think it could be really fascinating because the creators right now, I've said this, Steve, we're in the beginning of a video creator renaissance where everybody wants the video creator. You've got Facebook, you've got Apple, you've got You've got Netflix, you've got YouTube, everybody wants the creator and YouTube has a monster audience and this is probably just the first salvo into a bigger plan. And I don't know, what do you think about that? I think you're, I think you're spot on, Mike, because Facebook can't compete in video with the search capability that YouTube has because being part of Google, you know, YouTube, in my mind, we've mentioned this before. YouTube is not so much a distribution platform as a search engine. It's where you go to get discovered. People go to YouTube to look for video, to look for help, to look for what they want to watch. Facebook is interruptive video for the most part. You don't destination view. You don't go into Facebook and say, I'm going to go find that video where Steve shows me how to do X, Y, Z. No, you go to YouTube for that. And that is where Facebook is always going to be behind. What Facebook can do is they can say, ah, Steve, you can make more money with us. And that's going to speak deeply to my soul because <laughs> or your wallet. Yes. You know, it, that that's a powerful mechanism, you know, less people watching, but I make more money. I'm okay with that. And you, so YouTube goes, wait a minute, we've got to figure out a way. So this is the beginning of this back and forth. Now, because of their corporate cultures, I see it's going to be a fascinating, fascinating conversation because neither one is happy with us knowing the, anything more than the username of the people who are watching our videos. Whereas Patreon, which is the third player in this game, even though they're on the outside, but they've grown in popularity and they've grown in, um, they've developed a a good positive ongoing relationship with so many content creators, they're far more open with sharing that content with us. Now, YouTube allows us to put Patreon links directly within our YouTube videos. And that's that's what we're gonna have to keep an eye on. If at some point YouTube is going to disable the fact that we can point people outside and they've done it before Um, YouTube, for example, you can put affiliate links for product sales. If I was promoting your upcoming um, conference and I was an affiliate of it, I could put a product link in and YouTube would probably allow that link to be to be used. They won't allow Amazon links. Mm. Very fascinating. Within YouTube videos. So they've already identified the competition, even though it would be wonderful as for people that are, you know, doing box opening videos and that to be able to direct people directly to an Amazon affiliate link, YouTube will not allow it. So I can see the time when Patreon all of a sudden doesn't isn't allowed to have a direct link within YouTube. And there'll be quite there'll be quite a bit of consternation in the creator community at that point. Awesome. Okay, uh, let's switch over to the other news item, Eric. Um, YouTube Red. We've been hearing reports that there are some advertisements showing up inside of YouTube Red. Is that good? Is that bad? What's going on there? Uh, and is, is that an opportunity for marketers? Yeah. So YouTube Red is the paid service that YouTube is offering. That they're increasingly adding value. And one of the one of the main reasons that you buy a service like Red or one of the selling keys is that it's ad free. It's not supported by ads. Uh, but again, that's just mostly free. Uh, turns out that YouTube has been, uh, they, YouTube has a type of ad that they call print ads, which is a very strange name for an ad on our computer screen, is it not? Yes. And nevertheless, 
Um, so YouTube says, oh, no, we don't show the pop-up ads that slide over top or the pre-roll or the mid-roll ads, but those ads that appear on the page, on the YouTube play page, those aren't real ads. Those are print ads, and those are fine, but it's not universal how they're being applied. Now, you can't stop having those ads. When you sign up as a YouTube content creator um, and you sign up for the, for the revenue side of YouTube, you can control all of the ads that appear attached to your video, but you have no control over what ads are showing on the page, in, you know, in the, usually in the top right-hand side of the page uh, when you're in the YouTube playback window. Uh, you have no control over those static ads which appear, which now it turns out, I didn't know this before, YouTube calls print ads. Perfect. And so they have now crossed over into some red feeds, not all red feeds. And so there's consternation over that. And it's, 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 it, it comes down to nomenclature. It comes down to what they consider an ad, but it certainly, it does fly in the face of the, uh, of the, um, of the trust that, uh, that subscribers have consequently content creators will have with YouTube awesome. in the entire red ecosphere. Well, Steve, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, on this week's episode, tell everyone where they can discover more about you. Dototech.com. Come to our website. Every week we do a free tutorial webinar called Webinar Wednesday. Join us for that. They are awesome. Mr. Steve Dotto, see you next time. Have fun. <laughs> Have fun storming the castle, he said. Unfortunately, I cut him off a little bit early. All right. Well, in our next segment, we are going to be bringing on Mr. Jeff C. And we're going to be talking about a lot of Instagram news. And we're going to go pretty quickly into that news. And... Let's see here. Uh, Jeff, welcome to the show. Tell us, what's the news, my man? Well, yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on. So um, first of all, this uh, Instagram autoplay is the thing. So now when you go on your mobile device, um, and this works for all organic videos and ads, um, the videos will start and they'll still have the sound off. But once you tap to turn on one of the videos with sound, uh, and that's uh, indicated by that little speaker icon in the bottom left, uh, all other videos will autoplay uh, for, the, for the rest of your session on Instagram. So it does reset after... You close the app, uh, and I think it's a nice compromise that, you know, you can toggle it on or off. Um, the Be careful, though, because I was testing this out sitting on my couch seat, uh, last night, and I was scrolling through, and I had the sound on, and I hit a Gary V post, and it was like, foul, filth, and foul. And my teenage <laughs> son was like, geez, Dad, what are you doing? Who are you following? And so just remember, when you turn them on, you have to turn them off. But when you, when you shut down the app, it does uh, default back to the sound being off. And another point with this is Instagram stories, the, vi the, the stories videos, they will not be affected by this change. They'll only play with the sound uh, when your sound of your uh, smartphone is unmuted. So what, what's the general what's the general word on the street on this? Do people like this or not like this? Uh, m most people, I think, like it. Um, it's just a change. You just got to remember to turn it off like if you're sitting in church or something and get bored. Right, right, right. Um, but a lot of the advertisers are liking it because they can have their videos play with sound now, you know, right. kind of there's more people to do that. So it, it's more akin to television and what Snapchat has been doing with sound always on. And hopefully it's going to boost some spins on the video ads. Awesome. Okay. Let's move over to the next one, Eric. All right. This next one is uh, Instagram now lets you text with a more visual back uh, backdrop. So after you type your message, uh, if you if you look on the screen or the left, it's just like a regular text test message and you tap the camera, you can capture like your your photo or your background. You can change the color of it. Um, th the only problem is I wasn't able to test this because it's right now just uh, out for Android 
And as part of the Instagram update, they say iOS is coming soon. It's just another way, another feature that you can, you know, if like this kid is showing that he's typing and he's snoozing in class, it looks like. And you could just send that along with your text on the screen. So, so let me ask this question. Does it, do you think it becomes the entire backdrop or does it just, instead of being a little like, uh, instead of just like being like a text message, does it kind of create almost like a little graphic with text over the top of it? What's your thoughts on this? I think it's a graphic with the text on the top because one of the things they touted with this new update is you're able to change the color of the backdrop and, you know, play around with how, you know, saturated the color it's is. It's like a stories-like feature almost, isn't it? It kind of is. Yeah, it kind of is. So it's going to be interesting to see. I, I know my kids will use it a lot, but well, you, I don't know. You know what I think would marketers. be fascinating is uh, from a business perspective, if there's a way that we could um, maybe put a creative background in a response, you know, I mm-hmm. think that'd be pretty cool. Like, especially if we would let you load something off your camera roll that's more than a couple of days old, you could have a standard right. backdrop and it would be kind of a cool response that might stand out, you know, when you're messaging someone. So. Yeah, and it's interesting for big teams how to do that because Eric and I have even talked about this is we get these direct messages in our inbox on Instagram and, you know, you could get overwhelmed really easy. And so, like, when we do the conference, Eric and I have to be on top of that because people use that direct message more and more. And so, just that's something to be aware of when you're when you're playing with those kind of things. So, very cool. it's very cool, though. Um, the next one is um, Instagram launches directly from the Facebook app. Um, so Facebook is making it easier for users to ac- uh, access their Instagram profile right in the Facebook app. And um, it's rolling this out. Uh, not everybody has it. Uh, I checked this morning. I do not have it. And it really is. It's just under your profile. Um, it just has a link to open up Instagram. Uh, I noticed that I had it underneath um what's called, um, of, um, it's at the bottom. I can't remember what it's called now. Events, uh, not events, the, the main title. But anyway, I had a link and you just click on it and it just seamlessly opens Instagram. So it's not really a big deal, but it does allow Facebook users to go through their, you know, Facebook owns Instagram. So it does let them cycle between their properties um, and, you know, maybe keep them on the platform a little bit longer. So it's kind of cool. It's still it's still rolling out to people. Um, even uh, if you have the new Facebook update, it's a if you don't if you don't use Instagram, it's not even going to show up. So uh, that's just kind of a new thing that's yeah. Coming. I, I think if I'm not mistaken, it's showing up when you click on the little hamburger thing with jigger in the bottom right. Yeah, and yeah, you know, you- it, normally it would show you just your profile and then maybe a couple of pages that you might mm-hmm. manage. But now it's going to be right there at the top, kind of as a reminder, hey, we have Instagram, you know, like you've got the messenger chat bubble thing. And it's just right. another way for to kind of remind the Facebook audience that there's a one click way to go back and forth between these two different ecosystems. And I think that's going to um, perhaps, I don't know, encourage more Facebook folks to get on over to Instagram. Right. If they forgot and, and about there's it. another, yeah, there's another new, new item that we'll talk about right after this next one, which is people are freaking out about that Instagram adds a fourth column to the photo grid. Mm. Um, and, you know, if you've been on Instagram at all, it's a three by three grid of photos across its platform. And so a lot of phot- photographers and creative people have been using that to create like large photo mosaics. One of my friends who's actually is actually featured in this article that we're showing on screen, uh, Rob Russo, who's bold brand brand, brand fast. Um, he does some really cool stuff, how he Scroll takes it there. across there. But it's if they're 
some they're testing this four by four thing and it's jacking people's grid up and you don't mess with people's grids on Instagram. Yeah, let's I mean, let's explain this. Let's explain this a little bit. So we're looking at um, we're looking at Bazaar magazine and right. and they they design, you know, originally when you go to someone's Instagram profile, you see rows of three. So people can design a really cool puzzle looking kind of thing with their graphics. And we've done this on our account where we've vacillated between white and dark colors and stuff. And and, um, you know, now that's kind of all potentially up in the air. It's not officially the four grid system everywhere, but I'm kind of happy about this, Jeff, because like, do people really go over to the profile that much? I would imagine they mostly see thing in, things in the feed, don't they? And does it really help you in well, your feed? The thing is, is why they're so upset is because, you know, like Jed Record, who does a, some incredible uh, photos. He's great on Instagram. He's probably watching this right now. Um, you know, people will see Jed's photos go, oh, and then they click on his profile to see what else he's done. Yep. And so that's why they're so, it, you know, one of the quotes is like, it's almost a subconscious act that we find ourselves liking and following based on the first few images. And so this is why people are so upset about them messing with the grid. I think it's kind of weird that Instagram's messing with that because it's mostly photographers uh, that are getting kind of upset about this. And that's what their bread and butter started on. So I don't know if they're wanting another you know spot to put an ad later on. Who knows what's going on uh, in Instagram's mind. But I, I'm hoping they just leave it alone because, I mean, some people have been doing this for years. And so it's going to jack up their feed you know, a ways back. So, and to be clear, this is not official. This is just something right. that's been notified by. It's been found by some people, and it may be a sign of things to come. All right, what's the next Instagram story? The next one is Instagram rolls out follows you feature only on Android so far, and this ties into what you were talking about earlier, Mike, about how they're they're working about you know kind of keeping them on the platform and giving them some uh, some reasons to stick around. And right on um, before you weren't able to actually easily find out who follows you on Instagram. You could go to a profile, click on the follow you kind of the following button at the top and scroll down and see if you have your name. Well, the cool thing now is they've added this thing. And once again, this is only on Android where it says if somebody follows you and we get people following us on the social media account daily, well, it'll say follow back. It's almost like a call to action to get you to follow somebody back. And I think that's really cool just because of that little feature about following back. I think it's going to cause more people to follow uh, your account potentially. So that is new. And, and so you can easily see if somebody's following you and if you want to follow them back. And, um, but right now, like I said, it's only available on Android users. I like it because I think it's a lot like Facebook because it's a little more than that. We're even seeing um, friends who follow you know, account mm -hmm. X kind of a thing. And that's just kind of a cool little way that maybe, you know, uh, you can grow your following on Instagram. Now, Jeff, since you're here, we're going to go ahead and shift right on over to Pinterest. Why don't you go ahead and talk sure. about what's going on with Pinterest? Yeah, this is a really big deal. So uh, last week, Pinterest announced that it had uh, 200 million monthly uh, users and they're actually getting more, ca uh, they're working on their advertising a lot more. And they acquired last year a, uh, deep linking startup called URX uh, and now has launched a product inside of Pinterest taste graph. And this is interesting because it's not just, you know, getting stuff about something's interest. It's it's now up to 5,000 interest categories. That's going to roll out to advertisers. That's kind of the big news, but it's showing that because they're using this taste graph and, and they've opened it up to some select advertisers, uh, the click through rates uh, went up by 50% and drop the cost per click by 20% for brands like Nordstrom, 
that have tested that tool. So why don't you explain what it, the heck it is, just so people okay, sure. So the taste graph is a thing that, like, here's an example. So and please, um, this is an example. Like, I'm getting married, so I'm going to get uh, wedding dresses, I, and so I've been pinning all these wedding dresses. Well, I get married, and then I quit. I don't need wedding dresses, hopefully, any uh, anymore. And so, what this taste graph it actually uh, shows decay or what people are interested in. So, one, you're not wasting your advertising dollars. You know, if you're an advertiser on me, who's done with my wedding. So. Pinterest is one of the only places that has this taste graph that lets them track interest over time and, and conversion. So it's really, really cool. Um, and it's and it's kind of their exclusive thing. And now they've opened it up to 5,000 uh, new interest categories that advertisers could use. I haven't tested it yet because it just rolled out. But their hope their hope is to build an advertising business that not only touches users at each point in their buying lifecycle, but also, you know, down the road to make that conversion. And here's some examples of the new categories that you can get, like um, uh, wedding on a budget, ballroom dancing, graduation day, desk yogurt, email, newsletter design, vegetarian barbecue, which by the way, those words should never even touch each other because that's wrong (laughs) on so many levels. Um, But so they have all these new categories that you can advertise to. So it's very, very cool. So that's the thing on the new taste graph. Awesome. And then um, real quickly, this last item. Yeah, it's, uh, there's Pinterest rolled out some new shortcuts for the shortcuts for the iOS 11 update. Just some some cool features. If you've played with the new iOS 11, especially on an iPad, you can do split screens and you can drag. Like if I'm on all recipes and see a, a great meat barbecue, I can drag it over and add it to my manly barbecue board just by dragging it over to that and dropping it. So it's very very cool. Makes it really really easy. Um, one of the things I do want to caution they they have kind of touted this thing that you can. Um, uh, have it auto log in by uh, saving your information in the app. I just think that's bad on so many levels for security reasons. Um, I just wouldn't do that. But there's, you know, there's all sorts of new things that you can do with your, you can long press on the Pinterest app icon to get search really quickly. You can use it on your iOS share sheet uh, to share it on messaging and all sorts of things. So it's just a ton of features um, that Pinterest has added with this new iOS 11 update. Awesome. Jeff, thanks for joining us on this segment. Why don't you tell everybody where they can discover more about you? They can always find me at manlypinteresttips.com where we're always adding testosterone one pin at a time. Thank, Thank you, you, Jeff. Eric. Okay. So um, these next two news items, folks, are very, very important. I want you to pay attention to these because it's a pretty big deal. Um, the first one is that Google, the Google app on iOS has has now rolled out this content discovery tool. And let me explain what this is. Uh, if you have the Google app on your iPhone and you use it to do a search, one thing that you will notice is that when you click on an article, it does not open it in Safari. It keeps it inside the Google app. And as you scroll to the end of that article, up pops at the bottom of an art- of the thing, something from Google that says other articles you might be interested in. And guess what? They're not all from your website. So what Google is essentially doing here, folks, and this is this is critical that you understand this. And I don't know if I don't know if they do this on Android or not, but I've been able to test this on my phone using the Google app. You scroll to the bottom, and as you're nearing the bottom, you're going to see this little box that's kind of hovering over the bottom of the screen, and it's like beckoning you to kind of lift it up. But as you scroll back up on the bottom of of the screen, it does pop up on its own, even if you don't touch it. And it will show you a bunch of relevant articles so you can continue, quote unquote, your research. The problem is those are not 
articles from your website and they are not AMP articles. They are actually links to other people's websites. So what Google is trying to do is create a relevant experience for the user doing the research. The problem is that they're also trying to get them off of your site if your site's not relevant onto another site. I don't know if I like that as a publisher. Um, I wish I could just simply have it recommend articles only on my website, and but that is not the case at all. So I just want to let you guys know that that is the case. Um, not a lot of people are using the Google app exclusively on the iOS because they use Safari, but the Google app is kind of like Chrome meets Search all in one kind of an app. So I don't know what kind of an impact that's going to have. This next item is a big, big deal also related to iOS. Apple just rolled out their brand new um, phones and their brand new operating systems. Did you upgrade yet, Eric? Yes. It's really cool. And they've got this feature turn on default called intelligent tracking prevention. So unless you turn this off, and I guarantee you no human on the planet will think to turn this off, and most people on iOS are using Safari. As a matter of fact, I read some research that most mobile traffic is from Safari on the internet. Most mobile traffic, like 50 plus percent, is coming off of Safari. And I don't know if that's 50% of all Apple or 50% of all mobile. But here's the deal. Intelligent tracking prevention essentially stops things like remarketing from actually happening. So what this means is that your Facebook remarketing is probably going to stop working effective now, today, for all Apple users. It means that your Google remarketing may no longer work. It, it And let me explain how it works, okay? So um, Apple is, um, cookies will still work if they are login cookies on a website. But if they are, those are called first party uh, cookies. But if they are third party cookies that have any tracking behavior, those will automatically get blocked after 24 hours. And here's what Search Engine Land told us. They said that, um, um, they said that after 24 hours, third party cookies can only be used for login purposes. And, and, and these cookies are automatically purged after 30 days. So remarketing on iOS Safari is officially dead after the first 24 hours. It's dead, folks. It's dead. And I, I got to tell you, marketers are up in arms. A coalition of the top advertising companies have, have joined together to kind of protest against this because um, it's a really, really huge deal. Google has come out and here's what they've said. Quote, we are updating our measurement tools consistent with Apple's recommendations for added attribution. Um, and so what they're going to be doing is Google's going to try to figure out how to store this data at the server level instead of at the phone level, okay? Um, I've heard some of our peers in the industry say that if you think that Safari is the first to do this, this is not this is going to become a trend. So I think that what we're dealing with here is um, the ability to remarket on mobile is going to get harder and harder. I don't know what this means for Facebook, um, but I got a feeling it's going to be a problem because people are not logged into Facebook on Safari. You know, they're logged in on their mobile app. Um, so I don't know how that's going to work, but I do know that a lot of marketers are going to begin to see declining reach on the remarketing side of things. Now, if you can get the user to act in 24 hours, then you could create a different kind of an audience and have it live on that platform. But you only have 24 hours for that um, action to happen 
at, because after which it will essentially be removed from the iOS device. So um, it's a it's the beginning of a very very big news item. That's all I can tell you right now. Uh, and with that, we'll transition over to the next news item. All right. So Facebook is testing the ability to have a snooze button. And no, this is not for taking a break from Facebook. It's about taking a break a break from certain friends, pages, groups for 24 hours, seven days, or even up to 30 days. So, you know, if a certain page is pumping out stuff that you don't like, but you don't want to unfollow the page, or for that matter, a certain friend is doing the same thing, you can, you will be able to, with if this eventually rolls out, they're testing it, mute them for 24 hours, seven days, or 30 days. I personally think this is a great idea. I think it would have been great if they would have if they would have came out with this like seven months ago, Eric. Exactly. <laughs> During the election cycle, you know, I did a lot totally. of un- I did a lot of unfollowing and I would have loved to have snoozed instead. So I love this. A lot of Facebook friendships would have been saved. Exactly. And this is officially available now in the US, is that correct? It, it is being tested, so there's no word on how soon this is going to actually roll out or not, but you know, screen share here proves that it's it's an option. So hopefully soon. Okay, Facebook Messenger now has 1.3 billion monthly users. That is up from 1.2 billion, so that's extra 100 million since April of 2017. And surprise, surprise, 70 million daily users of Messenger Day. Messenger Day is the Facebook Stories platform essentially inside of Facebook Messenger. 70 million people a day are somehow interacting and consuming with Messenger Day, which is kind of a surprise to me. And that's the, that, that platform has only been around for six months. So there you go. So much like what we were talking about earlier with Jeff, the where you had the link to click inside of the Facebook mobile app to take you over to Instagram, the other mobile property that Facebook owns, WhatsApp, is also they're testing doing the same thing. And so there's just a little WhatsApp button in some people have discovered and you can tap that and then go over to your WhatsApp uh, app. So there you go. We're now officially entering into the found in the wild segment. This is where our fans and friends on folks up on, on the internet, find things and report them to us. This is pretty exciting. Um, Facebook is adding the request to join a live broadcast. This is brought to us by, uh, can you say the name of the guy? I can't read it there. Uh, Carlos Alvarez. Carlos Alvarez. So this is really cool. So now with Facebook Live, supposedly, you can push a button and say, I would like to join you live. So in the past, it used to be you could only choose to select people to come on live. But now you can say, hey, if you want to join me live, click the button. Or supposedly that's coming and you can see what that looks like. It's just it's a little button next to the chat bar that allows um, you to request to be able to join live. Okay, what's our next found in the wild, Eric? So next up, from Lori Friedrich, who is part of our events team, she found that uh, an ability that has been there for a while on the ads side of things is now in the organic post side of things. And what that ability is, is to be able to create a post that has a call to action to receive messages, to um, to get have messages. a catalyst out there and it, pull it, messages into your private messages. Yeah, it literally says get message. Yeah. Get messages, right? What, what would be the application here? Well, 
if you remember, the more you are interacting with people inside of messages, potentially that helps with engagement with your page because Facebook knows that they're interacting with you privately as well as on the page. But even more so, if people are interacting with you in direct messages, you then have the ability down the road to send them messages. It's basically an open inbox to them. Do we have more than one screenshot on this? Yeah, yeah so we've got a couple others. So here's another version of that. So and it's available on desktop and mobile, which is exciting. Use desktop as well. It all looks a little different, but basically mm-hmm. it's kind of like creating an ad except without the ad, right? Yeah. It's like unpaid ad targeting of getting people to send us a message. And that's going to be really Start powerful if you happen to have a bot, you know? Um, yes. That could be a very powerful thing to get people to interact with your bot. Definitely. Okay. Uh, the next found in the wild, which is kind of cool. It's rad, actually. It's not it's just rad. cool. <laughs> if you put in the word rad, and this is not for everybody, um, and someone cl- it'll turn pinkish red, and someone and people can click on it, and then all of a sudden these these thumbs up stump come crying, flying, crying, flying <laughs> across the screen. Um, it's pretty cool. Okay, over to you, Eric. Uh, Next up, so Twitter has officially rolled out the ability to find the most popular articles that are being tweeted by your friends and followers on Twitter. The way to get to this is you go to the magnifying tab, uh, and this is on desktop and mobile. And once you are there, just scroll down until you come to the popular articles section. And there you will see, for example, like, In my Twitter account, I was able to see that Social Media Examiner and two others that I follow had tweeted this Social Media Examiner uh, article. So this is a pretty cool way to find out um, who's tweeting what and have kind of an in-app content curation on Twitter. Yeah, and it's probably cool for discovery. It looks like it's it's available for Android and iOS under the Explore tab. Yes. Google is applying natural language processing to the Google Cloud app. Uh, said another way, if you are a paid Google customer, you know, you use, their, use them for your Gmail and stuff. You can do some really cool stuff like search for what documents need my attention. And literally, it'll come up with documents that you have not viewed, you know, that you need to uh, act on. What's really cool about it is, uh, according to Google, uh, it's a natural and intuitive way to request information in the workplace using everyday language while machine learning is helping you find and access your information quickly. So, I'd imagine you could probably say, hey, what's on my calendar tomorrow? You know, and instead of talking to it, you just type it in where in the past you would have had to know how to put in the specific search queries. You just say it however you want to say it, and it will actually figure out what it is based on what is inside of your your Google you know, cloud stuff. And I would imagine you could probably even say something like, hey, find me that spreadsheet on blank, you know, and it would probably figure that out as well. It's pretty exciting stuff. Yeah, I like this. Over to you, Eric. Uh, Snap Inc. has debuted its first article, first articles, first ads shot entirely with uh, their spectacle glasses. And so, for example, one of the ads is somebody who's wearing the spectacles going through the drive-thru at Burger King and encountering Burger King himself in the drive-thru window, handing him his food. And, And one of the cool things with these ads is that as you tilt your phone around, it allows you to see different uh, sections of that almost 360 fisheye view uh, on the ad. There's another ad that is uh, essentially uh, a cooking. So you're, you're kind of looking through the eyes of the chef 
as they're putting the ingredients in and then out around them peripherally at the people, different people that are with them tasting the food. It's actually pretty cool. I don't go in for spectacles all that much, but this is a really cool application. It's very cool. Google Earth is now featuring crowdsourced images, which is pretty cool. So um, the way this works is if you open the Google Earth app on your um, Android or iOS or even in the Chrome desktop browser, uh, on the main menu, turn on the photos toggle. And as you explore the world and zoom in, relevant photos from all these different locations will appear. And you can click on any thumbnail to see uh, a full, you know, curated amount of photos. So I can see this being really cool for travel. Like you're thinking about going to a certain part of the world, you just zoom in on the Google map and you can see all the photos that were taken in that, in that part of the world. And you know, I think that's really quite cool. Yeah, it's interesting. Facebook is also testing a uh, new feature that shows if you're active on Facebook. Uh, They called this Mashable called this out and said that it was uh, a very old feature from MySpace. I say it's a fa- it's a feature we were literally just talking about a few weeks ago on LinkedIn. Right. And I, I think it can be helpful to some people if they want to know that somebody is there to shoot them a quick message uh, through Messenger, Facebook Messenger, that is. Yeah. And see if they get a quick response. It's pretty cool. I mean, it's if they're active, it'll say they're active, and I think it'll be green. And if they were, it'll, and it'll also say how long ago they were active. It, this is exactly what they do in Messenger. It's pretty much the yeah. same, the same exact thing. And you know, that is what you said. That's the, that's the advantage. This is a way to get them to message and get over, get on over to Messenger. I think that's pretty exciting. Yep. What's next? Next, uh, Facebook is developing, as Bloomberg is reporting, voice chat and smart speaker devices to rival the Amazon Echo and the Google Home ecosystems. Uh, hmm. This is interesting. There's, And they've said that there is literally a prototype that is being tested right now in people's homes that is about the size of a laptop speaker screen that is a touch screen. So, you know, if that rings any bells with the Amazon touch screen Echo, I forget if that's the right name or not. Um, so yeah, this this is pretty interesting to me that Facebook, Facebook, I think of all the people uh, entering in this space, has the ability to kind of shake things up. Well, they do, and they don't do much of anything with voice right now, right? Right. You, you can't just talk to Facebook and have it do stuff for you. And I think, I think that's that's kind of exciting. And um, hmm, it's so interesting to see all these all these guys competing with each other, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. on the video front, you got. You got all these major players like, you know, you've got Facebook and you've got Amazon and you've got Netflix and you've got Google and slash YouTube. And now on the on the speaker side, you've got all these people getting into it. And then on the, the content side, folks, there is incredible competition in this world right now. And that's a really good thing for consumers because that means there's going to be massive innovation and features. It's a really good thing for, um, for marketers as well. The last news item is that Facebook has expanded its artificial intelligence research lab called FAIR, Facebook AI Research. They're hiring 100 scientists across Menlo Park, New York, and Paris to work on a wide range of ambitious AI research-related projects. So, you know, folks, we live in a very exciting time right now. This has just happened in one week. I mean, like, this is not like a summary of the month. This is just the last week. And there are plenty of other news items that broke, you know, yesterday after we prepped this show that are going to move into next week. But this is just nuts. So uh, a couple closing items. I want to, first of all, give a shout out to Kimberly Reynolds, who was in the control room today. Jeff C., who was handling simulcast. 
and Grace Duffy, who is our show producer, get us on your calendar. If you watch us live, go to socialmediaexaminer.com slash live show. Or if you want to watch us live, go there. If you are listening to us or you want to listen to us, subscribe to the podcast called Social Media Marketing, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher. What we do every week is we take the live show, which happens on Friday, and we edit it into an audio podcast, and that comes out on Sunday night. So Monday morning, you can go ahead and listen in. Last thing is social media marketing world. That's the place where we bring the brightest minds in the world together to help all of us as marketers who struggle with this ever-changing world make sense out of all this and further our professional development and initiatives. If you're thinking you want to go, check out SMM. W18, that stands for Social Media Marketing World, smmw18.com. Last request is, did you enjoy this show? Would you share this show on whatever platform you're watching or listening? Let your friends know about it. Um, We know it's changing lives. We hope it's changing your lives. And with that, I want to say, everybody, thank you so much for joining us this week. Uh, We work really hard to bring this content to you. We hope you have a wonderful week and we will catch you guys next week. Bye-bye. The Social Media Marketing Talk Show is a Social Media Examiner production. For more social media insight, visit socialmediaexaminer.com. Want more good stuff? Sign up for our top-notch social marketing newsletter. We deliver it straight into your inbox three days a week. Visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash get updates.